listening to the Retro Sermons podcast. Find out more at northcolumbuschristians.com slash retro sermons. This world of which we as Christians and especially those younger Christians that have children is the subject upon which I would like for us to look at today. The subject of immorality. We understand, of course, that Christ And the teaching of God's word is very strong as far as the amount of pages that were written on thou shalt not. May not have been worded in just exactly that way, but in the epistles of Paul and Peter and John, and in the passages that we have in the gospels regarding the teaching of Jesus, I don't believe that we can see anything that is more taught upon than that which is contrary to the law of God. Christ continued to emphasize that we must love God and keep his commandments. Anything contrary to that, of course, constitutes immorality or crime. It constitutes transgression of God's law. I believe that each one of us here today, though we be young or though we be grandparents or whatever our status, would be interested upon hearing this lesson and not just hearing it, but but applying it to our hearts to the furthest degree that we can. I I know that you must remember recently, perhaps two weeks ago, when the fires of California were raging, when people were taking risks with their own life in order to slow down the fires, that they would just leap by not feet and yard, but they would leap by quarters of mile or half a mile, that there would be a big explosion and then uh, a large mass of smoke would go yonder and then another fire would spread from that. As I was preparing this lesson a few days ago, this is exactly the illustration that I wanted to use because it is the very thing that we see and observe in our society today that we read about it in every paper, even in this morning's paper, it speaks of immorality and a long article regarding that. The lack of morals in our country, the degenerating situation has gotten even into uh, our politicians that they run on the platform, that we are going to get things back under control, that the things that are running rampant at this very day will not be so when we're out of office. President after president has said that, and yet things continue to rise. We see, in, even in elementary schools, in reading about it, and also in seeing pictures of it, though their faces are blobbed out because of their ages. But we see 9 and 10 and 11-year-old children that are taking drugs to school, that are taking guns and knives to school that are doing such things that we cannot even imagine high school students doing, and junior high. But now we're talking about it being in the elementary grades. And even the other day in one of the local schools, several packets of marijuana were found upon one of the children. It seems that two or three of the children were circulating that we've got marijuana if you want to take some of it. 
It seemed from the story that I read that it was more or less just letting you sniff a little bit, that it was free, that you could take of it. The parents were in a rage, wondering if their child had been affected. And of course, the parents of the children that had done this terrible deed, they, of course, would carry the heartache, and I would hope that they would have heartache, and instead of blaming officials for uh, what they had done. But these children were suspended for several days. We're talking about elementary children. We're talking about something that should put us up in a great amount of anger in our hearts. We read constantly of carjackers where there is a nice automobile to where they can just simply go and if they have to bang a window out because there is no one near, then it is taken away and stripped of its parts. And of course, that was the very thing that happened not long ago to uh, Michael Jordan's father, as you recall. They didn't know that it was Michael Jordan's father. Perhaps they themselves idolized the basketball player Michael Jordan. We do not know. But once they found out that they had carjacked a car that belonged to a folk hero of our time, then they became scared, and of course they murdered uh, Mr. Jordan, and of course stripped his car as well. So the carjackings and the drive-by shootings, even things that even have affected our own people in this congregation where shots have been fired, at some of the cars and some of the automobiles that belong to brethren at this place. That is telling you then how close this problem is to, to those that we really love and care for. And then recently when three older young people were caught for doing a number of things involving guns and robbing, being carried away in the police vehicle, it showed them all with open mouths like they were having the best time of their lives with their hands in handcuffs, saying that they were bored. I want to look at this subject this morning. I want in great detail to look at as, as many uh, things as possible. In the very beginning of this lesson, I do not want you to become alarmed that we're not using many scriptures. Uh, in the beginning of this lesson, because one of the main scriptures has already been used. But I would like for us to uh, examine perhaps some reasons. We know that all things have to have a reason. Whether they were bored, or whether they are under the bad influence of someone else, or whatever it might be. As I go over these points very quickly, and I'm going to stick very closely to my outline because of the various points that I have down that are current events, really. I believe that the on-rise of immorality is because, one, there is no fear of punishment. The Bible even teaches that very quick, very uh, much when it says that when the consequence of a crime is not meted out quickly, then there is no fear. And certainly there is not. That's why we have people on death row from 10 to 15 years. They've been there because they know that if they get caught and if they have to kill someone for for raping or stealing or robbery or whatever it might be or just plain old murder because of meanness in their heart, they know that they've got a long time to live. They know that there are many loopholes in the law. So there's no fear of punishment many times from parents. Many times from the police officials, 
And there is no punishment from the judicial system of the court to the land. The jails are full. The police take them in and the courts let them out. Simply because we do not have room enough to punish all of these that are carrying on as they are. I suggest unto you another point <clears throat> as to why I believe that there are many reasons for immorality is that there are many more one-parent homes today than there have ever been, to my knowledge. There are few father figures. And many times, if the father was there, even that might be even a detriment. But I think that uh, there are one-parent homes that make it difficult for these children that are being reared. And to go along with that, we have working mothers. When you've got a one-parent home, then there's got to be some cash flow to come in. So the mothers then take jobs. The children have keys to the home. And some months back, there was a program on 2020 entitled The Latch Key Kids. That they come home from school at 3 o'clock or whenever. And they're there for several hours before the parent ever thinks about coming in. Or if she has something to do with a boyfriend later, she can come in at 12 o'clock, 1 or 2, and everything will be all right. I believe also that there are very few godly people for our young people to use as role models. Many of those that are members of the body of Christ are not as good of examples as they should be. That includes parents. We see and observe the music that they are listening to. And I'm concerned, of course, for the world. I'm concerned for our country. But I have special emphasis to be placed upon that word right there. And that is immorality and why it is increasing and why it is gobbling up our youth, our young people. Those that should be obeying the gospel. Those that perhaps went through the motions of obeying the gospel. And the fact that they're able to listen to the kind of music that they do. And many of, perhaps even some of you, in putting in a radio, whether it's even a brand new automobile or truck or whatever, what is the first thing many times that is done? Well, the little speaker that is there is not nearly enough. And so we get huge speakers for the vehicle. We want it to boom at us. We want it to blare at us. Many times in traveling on the road, I'll hear a loud roaring sound. And I know that it's a boombox in a car that's coming up beside me. And even though I'm in a packed car, I let my window down just a little bit, and I do not know how that they could even hear a police or medical uh, siren that could, could sound off. Because it comes through so loudly even in my car that is tightly closed. And so the music that is there for them to listen to. Let me read a little bit to you of the kind of music that uh, is is being listened to. <clears throat> Many of the rock groups, and years ago I was concerned even with some of the country music, and I still am, because some of you are country buffs, and I know that you're very discreet and and uh, work very hard at listening to the right thing. 
But your country music is many times rotten to the core. But then our young people have gone on from that into the influence of what we call as rap or rock music or one type or the other. And don't giggle at me because I'm not into it. I don't even know what they call it, just what I read. But I know that there was the rock, and then I know that there is the rap. And I know that there is something on the horizon that will take the place of both of them. In a recent publication, a prominent publication, at least 13 bands, bands now, named, were named after the male genitals. Six bands were named after female genitals. Four after sperm. Eight after abortion. And then there are other things that goes into that I'll not even read. I'm too embarrassed even to read these, but I will not read the rest of them. And some of the language that's in this, I will not read. That is in the lyrics that is on the front covers of these groups that are musicians of the day. In a Newsweek magazine, they were commenting, not Christian, but a Newsweek editorial talking about the MTV, which is usually on most of your cable, I reckon, or you may have to pay extra for it. I suppose that you do. But there, there were two favorite uh, passions that remained the environment and the young women in exotic undergarments. They noted that this is what the MTV was playing up after Madonna. No one is pushing the undergarment envelope as hard as Christina Amphilad, I suppose you pronounce it, of Australia. The band calls the Divinals, who's healed, who's hit, I touch myself, raises pop vulgarity to a new low. We're reading from Newsweek magazine. We're talking from the people of the world themselves that are so alarmed as to where are we headed, so to speak. And of course, without a doubt, as I stated recently, the one of the most vulgar of vulgars in the music world would be Madonna. And what she did on, uh, on pay-per-view, various things of her lyrics, and she is at the forefront of the gay and lesbian rights in conjunction with the so-called NOWR, National Organization for Women. I could go on and read a lot of these things, and if time permits, I shall read a little more of that. But just the other day, well, it was November the 13th, drug overdose cited in death of actor. I'd never heard of the man. He looks like a young man, as I saw him on TV and as I look at his picture in the article. Actor River Phoenix, who collapsed and died two weeks ago outside a trendy nightclub. It states that he was killed by an overdose of cocaine and heroin, according to the coroner. He mixed a number of other drugs with that along with alcohol. I was hearing an announcer the other day talking about this River Phoenix and said that he was a role model for our youth. He was so alarmed about it because one of our role models has died. They do not think about what he died of and what he was doing. They're thinking about a handsome looking guy, I suppose, that had played bit parts, or maybe he was quite popular as an actor. 
but they were concerned that he had died as a role model. What I suggest to you, that whatever role models are out there for our young people, they're godless role models. I speak not only of this fellow, but I speak of the likes of perhaps it started and not there, but even beyond the Elvis Presleys of this world. It seemed like he started the hip-wiggling act and the body movement and the uh, getting the audience and especially the young ladies so roused up by his body movement. We're talking about the 50s. That they would throw their undergarments on, on the stage. And yet our brethren, some of them don't want you to say, say anything negative about Elvis. But with the kinds of Elvis and the Michael Jacksons of this world, Oh, they're concerned not about what he did, but where is he? It's not the matter of, of all the operations that he has gone through and what he has done and what he has been charged with, but where is he? And the fact that he had to give up certain amount of the concerts that he had scheduled. Then we have the Madonnas, as I alluded to, the Magic Johnsons of this world, and when he came public, Oh, he was so sorry he was going to have to give up basketball. And he was encouraging everybody to look at me now. And the thing I want you to do in looking at me is to be careful. Be careful because you could wind up like I am. It wasn't a matter, and it's not a matter of those that are HIV positive or those that have AIDS. It's not a matter that what I did was wrong and that I'm reaping the consequence of what I did, and that you too are going to reap what you sow. No, it's not a matter of that. It's just be careful. And that I'll come around to various schools and, and to teach you about safe sex, and we're going to teach you about these things. What are they saying? They're saying that everything is going to continue as it is. And yes, there will be those that will not. What's the consequences? Instead of stating that you're going to reap what you sow, and the best advice is to not do what I did, but to abstain from worldly things as God's Word teaches. They know what the Bible says. They know what is taught in the Scriptures. Now, as we look at these reasons, I want to examine one more thing, and that is our youth. For the most part, hopefully, we've been talking about the youth of America. We can't do much about them. They're on different wavelengths completely. The Lord said, if their eye be single, then you can do something with it. But if their eye is not single, if there's an obstruction there, then the individual cannot be taught, they cannot learn. What do our young people see and observe? Listen now, young people, and listen, parents, as some of this goes right back to where it started. What do they see in the home? Do they see fighting and screaming parents that are hollering and yelling at one another instead of loving and caring for one another, as God said? Do they see screaming at the children and in return the children scream back because it's all right, everybody is doing it? They see, a, they see that divorce is not all that bad. 
the neighbors are doing it, therefore mom and dad taking their turn at it, and that my mother and dad are getting a divorce, and they've already got them a new boyfriend or girlfriend, and they're giving more attention to their new partners than they are their own children. And I could cite you examples in the church. Where they are more concerned about their own fleshly appetite being satisfied than being at home with their sons and their daughters of rearing them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And as I say, I know different congregations where this is true, where it is not changing. What about the church? Many congregations are spiritually dead, if not already dead in the process of dying. They see division. They see strife. They see fault-finding. They see various things that are being taught, false positions. Back in the 50s, as I attended Harding College, one of the so-called scholars of the Brotherhood, J.D. Bales, was already promoting and writing about the position that we today have been hearing so much about. And that is, if you're not a Christian, then you're not amenable to the gospel. If you're living in divorce, then you can obey the Lord and, and the baptism washes your wives away. How many, many wives that you have had, it washes them away. Only in the recent couple of three years has the same been gone public with Homer Haley a much-loved elder statesman in the kingdom of God. He did a lot of good. But as is true many times, as one gets older, one grows softer and more tolerant. And if he is writing a book about it, which he is, to circulate his position, it's a well-known fact. And I, as a gospel preacher, have responsibility to tell you, regardless of however ignorant I might be in comparison to that, quote, scholar, that he is dead wrong. That he is wrong that those that have been married before and then when they have different wives and they obey the gospel, there's only one alternative. And the Bible says that you must be a eunuch for the kingdom of God. That's God's word in Matthew 19 about verses 10, 11, and 12. We need to make sure that our young people grow up knowing this fact. But better yet, mother and daddy, you better make sure before you get your divorce. You better make sure that you have a Bible reason, thus saith the Lord, or you yourself must be a eunuch for the kingdom of God. If you're going to go to heaven, you better respect what Jesus said on the subject. So there are many false positions, whether they be Baals, Haley, the Charles Holtz of our day, the Ed Fudge, the preachers and elders of our day, Preachers that I know about and elders that I know about and can name you names that have committed adultery in the same congregation where there's another couple that the man falls in love with a, with another young, with another lady. Maybe they started out very innocently going over to one another's house and having supper and, oh, we enjoyed one another and we played games. And later on they played a deadly game. They played a deadly game called Immorality. Where did it start? It started by getting too close to one another. Now this is not to dampen anyone's enthusiasm for 
being sociable and hospitable and doing things, but I think that we know the difference and can see the difference. Many of our young people are not seeing the need to obey the gospel. They're seeing this kind of immorality. And if they do obey the gospel, it is not with real convictions. You don't have many young people in the Lord's body today that really has got conviction. They're willing to stand up. It's lip service. And Jesus said, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Young people, make up your mind. Get on or get off. The Lord said, I can't stand this in between. I will not have it. I see right through you. As he said of the church of Laodicea, I cannot stand you. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. You're not going to go to heaven. You're not going to be a good parent. You're going to be a parent that will raise up children that are like you. Well, there's something else. So what about of our youth? Well, I want to look just a moment. And here again, I want to emphasize that these things are just off the top of my head as I sat down this past week and, and wrote these things down. The schools were going to pick me. You remember that? All our schools are going to take care of every bit of it. We're going to start teaching them sex education. Then there was a big hoopla about that. And of course the humanists won again, didn't they? And instead of teaching our children abstinence and the principles of God's word, and because the word God cannot even be used, prayers cannot be said. God's word is not to be given any attention. So instead of teaching abstinence, they said we'll teach you how to do it safe. We'll teach you how that you can go about it and hopefully that you'll not be burned, that you'll not be hurt in all of this. Yes, sex education, they handled the situation, didn't they? They tell them about safe sex. The Hollywood people, the special people, they glamorize it. And I remember, and I did not go to movies that much, my mother and father Hated the idea, but I would beg and beg, and occasionally I would go to see, they would let me go see one. I'm sure that they are hating it now, just as we would not let our children go. I can see the, the truthfulness of it and the good of it later. But I remember a fellow by the name of Rock Hudson. He and I, I guess, would have been about the same age. Oh, he was a handsome man, I thought. He was tall. He was good looking. He always had a good haircut. He knew how to comb it. And I thought, oh, he must be a ladies' man. But you know what? He was a man's man. He was a homosexual. And he came down with AIDS. And he died. Just like all of the others will die. Just like the Sodomites of Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain. Just like God overthrew them. Because of the terribleness of that sin. God cannot stand it. He hates it. So the Rock Hudsons of this world, the Magic Johnsons of this world, to our youth, these are big important people. And we are so sorry about Magic, and we're so sorry about Rock, and we're so sorry. And yes, we are. But shouldn't we be looking at a mother and father that we idolize? Is there a mother and father in your home that you can look up to? I feel fairly sure that 90%, if not 100% of our homes right here in Saturday, that the mothers and fathers would be robots. 
and your mothers and fathers, if there is anything in your home that you like, then deal with it. Apologize to your spouses. Apologize to your children. And tell them that you're going to pray that God will forgive you of your lack of being a Roma. And then show them the fruit is a reaction. By the fruit you shall know. So there is no fear in, in the Magic Johnson and the Rock Hudson's and others of our day. There is very little, if any, fear. You see, that's them. It's not going to happen to me. There are so many sexual diseases, the ones of the past, whether they're herpes or syphilis or gonorrhea, and I didn't know what anything was like that. We didn't even talk like that during my days as a boy growing up. Nothing about it. And now, of course, that's, that's just a, a little old penny any type of disease, isn't it? Because we have HIV positive and we have AIDS. But you know what? Who is it that gets herpes, gonorrhea, and syphilis? Those that eventually are HIV AIDS. Those are you. Those are the ones that continue to go. And when the door is open and is cracked just a little bit, in walks your sin. Not I, this is not going to happen to me. Where do we have sin now? You have sin in high places. By presidential order, they have been put into the cabinet post, or assistance to cabinet post, whether they be gay, whether they be lesbian. They are the leaders of our country. They were the ones that helped put this minority president in his place. No, I don't know what is going to happen where our government is concerned. Let's keep praying for them. That's what the Lord says. And every administration right on down since I have been old enough to observe has been a little more ungodly. I want to close out this lesson today with what I believe to be the answer. We don't want to talk about all the bad things without telling about the good things. And the good thing is, is it contained in God's Word. Now, if you want the answer, if our youth want the answer tomorrow and to going to heaven and to being a good influence and to being a good role model, if you want the answers now, but really the answer, then we must turn to the Word of God. Nobody else has the answer. Everybody has struck out. Everyone has failed. Because they've dealt with it from the standpoint of the humanistic idea. It happened to them. It will not happen to me. I know brethren that also are in the situations that I have heard of regarding the Rock Hudson's and the Magic Jones. Preachers that have played the feet. Here again, one of the big reasons why some of our youth are not Christian. They've not had the role modeled in the body of Christ. Now this is no excuse for you not to become a Christian. It's your choice. And God is not going to look at you and say, well, you're all right, son, go on into heaven because I know that that filthy preacher over there was the one that caused it. No, God's not judge us that way. It won't happen. Remember what Paul said in Galatians 6? Be not deceived. Don't be foolish. God is not mocked. You're not going to be able to pull anything over the eyes of our Lord. God is not mocked. 
For whatsoever a man soweth, he's going to reap that. If he sows to the flesh, he shall reap corruption. Didn't say that he might. Didn't say that he could. That it would be a possibility. He said if you sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. You sow to the spirit. But you say that's not as much fun. If you sow to the spirit, you shall of the spirit reap the life of life. Boy, it may not be as much fun. Even Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin. But what did he say? He said it was just for a He said it was just for a little while that I could enjoy that sin and then I'm going to reap the eternity of the consequences. And you don't have to make up your mind. I can't make it for you. My mind was made up a long time ago. Whatever mistakes I made, whatever paths I followed, is why I am and where I am today and why I feel as I do regarding these various statements in the Bible. Young people don't usually just go off on a tangent with a mother and father that taught them right. There's usually a reason. What does the Bible say? First Corinthians 15 and 33, and you've heard it all your life. It says, be not deceived again. I think, Jesse, the word be not deceived is used about seven times. And every time, it is spoken that we as gospel preachers need to emphasize that you're not going to fool God. Be not deceived, evil companionship. Evil associates will ruin you. And you know what? You've seen it happen. And you know something else? You may have experienced it happen. That you would not have gotten in trouble. That you would not have come in late at one or two o'clock. And yes, that late. I don't care if we do live in the nights. I was listening to a sports commentator the other day that just made me boil. It comes on wait at the four o'clock hour, that program that you and I enjoy sometimes, that sports all day. But this new guy that was on there, somebody was, was, was calling in and fussing about the Jimmy Williams case. He's a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneer and he was fully dressed and he went to his locker and, and uh, the paper said that he shoved her. From what I understand of all the eyewitnesses is that he just kindly said, Lady, would you please? She was standing in front of his locker. And, of course, this, this Jimmy Williams is, is a denominational preacher also. Very uh, high morals. And the announcer was giving him that. But said that the man was out of place. The woman was in her place. Where was she? Well, an earlier call had called in and said, Ken, I, I guess I'm of the old school, but I've been in those lockers, and these women, these reporters that are giving the report so they can get back to the newspapers and give it, there is frontal nudity of the men that are in there and, and says that's wrong. The women should not be there. Ken says, you are wrong, and clipped down went the phone, and he cut the man off. I'll not have a man calling to my program that was like that. None of that is going to be on my program, he said. We're living in 1993. Where does he think that he is? And oh, he got very vocal about it. I could just see his veins bursting as he well, was so intimate about. She was doing her work. It doesn't matter how they were robed or disrobed. See what that problem is? And why our youth are dropping like flies in sticky goo all over this country. 
Our youths are not convicted. They may have been wet by baptism one time, but are they really convicted? Back in my day, when the guys showered, there were usually two or three of us that would kind of wait, you know, until the others were all in their shower, and then we'd slip in, or after they'd finished, because we had been brought up that it wasn't even the right thing for a man to look upon that. And where did we get it? We got it from God's work. So we got it. Now, of course, we're living in a day and time when everything goes down. You remember when Ham looked upon the nakedness of his father? God did not like it. Pronounced a curse upon that man because of what he had done, the thoughts that were in his heart. Immorality. It starts with little things. It starts even when they see mother and daddy. One more point let me make regarding when it started. Maybe it's because mother and daddy started not to go to church one time. Mother had a little headache. Daddy hurt his ankle the other day. And so it got into a routine that they just only went when they wanted to. And the children, they're not dumb. Our children know exactly about mother and daddy and if they believe in God and if they believe that Christ died for their sins and they're going to be worshiping God regardless and whether or not. Don't deceive yourself. If you stay home with a little old silly headache, when our Lord and Savior gave his life on Calvary's cross and had those terrible nails driven through his hands and through his feet, he said, we don't deserve to go ahead and do it. If we live that kind of a soft, mushy life, because being a Christian means conviction. It means knowing right and wrong. It means knowing that we as parents cannot bring alcohol into our house, that we cannot go by the local bar and that my dad drinks a little bit occasionally. Our children have got to know from mother and daddy that it is wrong, it is a sin. You're not going to see it in my refrigerator. And when Uncle Bob comes to my house and he dips uh, tips occasionally, he's not going to put it in my refrigerator. In fact, he's not even going to stay in my house. And we had that problem. That various relatives knew they could not come to our home because they felt like that they could come there and drink or do what they want. That's why our family has been in Christ. And that uncles and aunts haven't really been men that important because they were fleshly and were. But where did this sin start of immorality? I want to suggest to you, for the most part, I believe, we know the schools are at fault. We know that a lot of things are at fault. But we've got to start with mother and daddy. And mother and daddy and my wife and I and you and your wife, all of us may do our very best. Our very best. And our children may not turn out right. But you see, in the story of the Bible we read about today with Eli, is that he just did not conduct them properly all the way through. And he didn't get on them and say, Son, you are out of here. You are not going to commit adultery. You're going to be killed like the Bible says. You're committing fornication just outside the door where God's people worship. The sad 
picture, isn't it? And in the prayer that we prayed for a while ago, that we're concerned about what we believe is mostly an immoral society. Not just a matter of what we mostly believe. It's that way. We're not reading it wrong. We're not seeing our television wrong. It's not a matter that we're living in 1993 that makes it all right because God wrote something about it hundreds and hundreds of years before that. So I want to talk about hypocritical parents, social drinking, missing worship services. Do you miss your job when you miss the service that day? Oh no, we can't miss our job. I always like to put that in because that, that goes home for most people. They won't miss their job. They won't miss the payday. Our children, do they hear cursing? Did it start maybe with a little school play? And that our little, our little old child, she was such small, and grandma and grandpa went, <coughs> and she had a little dancing routine. And oh, wasn't she cute? She is so cute. And what's the next step? You've opened the door there. Or they, or your son was allowed to do the kissing scene in the play, and that was the big thing when I was in school back in the forties, you know, was when in the play in, at the high school, if there was a kissing scene, man, that was it. And then of course the sons and daughters were allowed to play parts like that, and mother and daddy sit out there and see and observe that, and everything is alright. You've done nothing but open the door yourself, my friend, my brother, sister in Christ. You can allow that sort of action. And then from a little school dance to go to teaching them dancing lessons. And I hope there's not anybody here doing it. If there are, I'm ashamed of you. If there are those of you that are going to in the future or contemplating it or have in the past, you're wrong. You're just dead wrong. Oh, but we want to teach our children to be graceful. Brother Franklin Puckett used to have a comeback on that that I as a child thought was rather cute and that he had rather see his daughter stumble into heaven than to waltz gracefully here on this earth. Yes, there's a lot of stumbling that we as Christians have been put to and that we will be put to. We better start calling sin, sin. We better start talking about who can go to heaven and who cannot go to heaven and why. I've got an illustration down at those animals in little bitty holes. You all know me about the farm illustration. If a hog could get his nose in a hole, he could get out. And that's how it happens. This little bitty hole turning into huge ones that eventually the animal he could walk through. You've got to prepare. You've got to mend the fences. You've got to make them strong. You've got to fix it right. 